Blog Talk Radio. It's Sunday evening, and welcome to Pause I Am Radio. Your hosts for tonight's show are Robert Brenning and Jack McEnroe. They'll be taking your calls and speaking with a different guest each week. You're encouraged to call in and share some of your life experiences with us. The number to call is 347-215-9442. That number again, 347-215-9442. Welcome to Pause I Am Radio. And welcome to Pause I Am Radio. I am your host, Robert Bryant. Tonight, my co-host is Jack McEnroth. Jack, happy Sunday. Happy Sunday to you. How's the uh, audio? Because I'm calling from, I think it's a sort of a hard line. Is it okay? Yeah, everything sounds good from here. Good, good. Um, yeah, I'm in Atlanta, in Atlanta, in Hotlanta. And it's <laughs> friggin', it's friggin' hot, let me tell you. Oh. Oh, that's so funny. So tonight we have a special guest on. I'm going to bring her on uh, right away because I think she's already on the line waiting. Um, And the way we're going to work the show tonight, uh, since Kimberly um, has a short period of time that she can spend with us, we're going to talk to her for the first half hour, and then the second half hour we will open it up for phone calls. Kimberly won't stay for the second part, but we'll be able to send her the archived um, show so she can hear your comments about her new single and all that good stuff. So uh, let me go ahead and uh, believe this is Kimberly. So let me bring her on the air. Kimberly, is this you? Hello? I guess not. (laughs) I'm going to say that's not. So for people who don't know who our guest is tonight, Jack, do you want to tell them a little bit about her? Um, Well, I mean, she's a fabulous superstar. Hello. She's Miss Kimberly Locke. Um. You know, she rose to fame, obviously, on American Idol, and I believe she was the season with Reuben Sutter and Clay Aiken, right? She was uh, second runner-up, which I thought she totally should have won, but whatever. I, I agree. I agree. Um, but I did love her. Like, I've loved her ever since, and I've only really gotten – I mean, I don't know her, but she's she, she's on Twitter, and she actually tweets back, and she um, – so I've exchanged a few tweets with her, and she just seems really groovy and cool and – her website's cool, and I know she's um, involved with Camp Heartland, and I've loved her music ever since. Um, I actually I tweeted to her that I loved Eighth World Wonder, and she, she wrote back, thank you so much. And I just think it's really gracious when people that obviously have super busy, crazy lives actually, you know, I mean, I know we're not going to be virtual best friends, but it's nice when someone just writes thank you. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's really nice when you get that, um, you know, that feedback from somebody who's, as big as Kimberly is and is doing wonderful things, it makes her feel good that she is paying attention to, you know, her fans. And that's really what makes her so wonderful is that she's really in touch with her fans. Right. From what I've seen. And um, a lot of people may have also, who may have not have known Kimberly on American Idol because they didn't watch the show in the previous early seasons, may remember her from Celebrity Fit Club as well, which was on VH1. Um, and she was on uh, the season there that had uh, Marsha Brady and Ross Matthews, and the brat. Marsha and Brady. Like that. <laughs> I don't know her real name. <laughs> I bet you I can think of it, and it'll come to me. Um, that's so funny. Um, but anyway, um, well, also I was reading in her bio that she is working on some um, new reality show. Like I, I didn't. I, I want to ask her like where the what stage that's in because it looked like it was like happening. But you know how Hollywood is. It's like I don't know if it's like in pre-production or. It's one of those things that's a done deal or what, but it's cutting it. second. I have to reply to her Okay. Um, on Twitter. Uh, she wasn't able to get through, so I'm not sure if that was her who uh, called on and we weren't able to connect with her, um, but hopefully she'll call back in and we'll bring her back on the line. So I'm excited. You know, a lot of people may know her um, from her single, like you said earlier, Eighth World Wonder. My favorite song of hers, and actually one of my favorite songs in the whole world, is Change. Um, and it's one of the songs that I'll be playing later on uh, this evening when we close the show, but it was just such a, an amazing, like it came out at the perfect time in my life when I was starting to accept my status and moving forward, and it really, if you listen to the words of the song, it, it's like really an amazing song, like one of my favorites. 
Well, good. I wish her the best. I mean, everyone I told, I've been obviously talking about the fact that we're interviewing her for, you know, since we booked her a month ago or so. And all my friends that have had, you know, experiences with her, I guess she's done some cruise ships and stuff. And everyone's like, dude, she's super nice. So, and I just really like to hear that about celebrities because so often you hear, and especially like, I mean, you know, she, American Idol is considered a reality show. A lot of times when people are on reality shows, it's like they get these big egos and, and they're, they kind of lose touch with reality. And it's nice to hear that she hasn't done that and that she's fairly down to earth and all that stuff. So that's good. And she's done a lot of things. I know she, um, she lost, I believe, almost 40 pounds on Jenny Craig, and she was a spokesperson for them for a while, um, which is an amazing you know, accomplishment because a lot of women look up to her for that reason alone. Because she said she was always a big woman, but she wasn't really uh, worried about it because she was a Southern belle, and that's how all the girls down, you know, in the South look. It was a natural look. For people yeah. And it wasn't until she got into the spotlight of after, you know, Hollywood and American Idol and all that, that she was really kind of self-conscious about it, which was one of the reasons she went on uh, Fit Club. Well, she looks, I think she's a gorgeous girl, a gorgeous woman, so... Whatever size she is, I remember at one point riding the subway in New York, and she was doing uh, the ad campaign for Lane Bryant Seven Jeans, and she was strutting herself in that. So obviously she's she's fairly comfortable with who she is, which is a nice role model to have. Yeah, absolutely. I, I she's having some trouble to get through. So why don't I play one of her songs while I'm waiting for her to call through um, and reach us, so people aren't sitting here listening to us talk about nothing. <laughs> so, uh, this is um, from her second album. It's called Change. It was the song I was talking about earlier. So I'll play that um, for a couple minutes, and then uh, when we come back, we should have Kimberly on the line. So we'll be right back.
right, and we are back. Uh, people said I was coming in a little bit low, and I was wondering if I'm still coming um, through low now. So if you could let me know in the chat room. I want to thank everyone for joining us who are in the chat room and first-time listeners. Um, Kimberly did send me a tweet and let me know that she wasn't able to get through. So, Kimberly, if you're listening to this and you can hear it live on the show, uh, the number you want to call is 347-215-9442. Jack, are you back with me now? Yep. Okay. Um, yeah, so I'm waiting for her to uh, just call back in. I think that was her who called in, and when we went to her, she wasn't ready, and somehow we got disconnected. So I want to uh, apologize for that issue. Um, let's see here. Other than that, Jack, what can you tell us? Um, you know, some people who may be listening for the first time may be familiar with you. So um, we can real quick just let them know if you uh, are familiar with Jack from Project Runway. He was on season four, right, Mr. McEnroe? Um, yeah. <laughs> that little <old> show. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I'm not, and by the way, it's Maureen McCormick as Marsha from, um, I, it came to me, thank, thank, by way of the internet. Um, but, um, you know, there are some people that try to run away from their beginnings and they're like, I don't want to be associated with Project Runway anymore, but it's done a lot of good for me. So I, I still love the show and, um, yeah, it was a great experience and, I met some really cool people on my season, and I'm still in touch with a lot of them. So, um, yeah, I have I love I love being on the show. It was a great experience. Yeah, I just got uh, Christian who won your season um, on The View the other day. Oh, really? Yeah, he makes the rounds on TV all the time. Um, <laughs> um, did you see his little one man special about like I, I, he had? So he had a, a it was just a one off like being Christian Siriano. I can't. It was called Having a Moment and. It was really great, I thought, because it really shed light on what it's like to be a clothing designer. Because people think, you know, you sit around and you do sketches, and you it's it, it's crazy what goes into it, and all that PR and everything he has to do just to maintain, um, you know, a line. And a lot of people that are even well-known designers that are, have trouble keeping, you know, the capital going that you need to support a line. So I thought that was really cool. And actually, I made a, there's, I have a cameo in that, too. He says my name at one point. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was interviewing him backstage before his show, so. Oh, I was just waiting to see if you guys were going to get a call to be uh, in the Sex in the City, too. <laughs> oh, well, you know what? That whole thing, I, I, like, for people that are listening that don't know, um, I had I'm in the opening scene of Sex in the City one, but no, that was totally unrelated to being on Project Runway and had nothing to do with Sarah Jessica Parker being on Project Runway, and so it was just completely random. Some casting guy was like, "We need this guy to walk down the street. Will you want to do it?" And I was like, "Okay." So um, no, there will be no Sex in the City part two for me. I don't think. <laughs> uh, <laughs> or three. I think they have they're doing a part three, and by then they'll all be like fifty. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, okay, I'm still waiting for her to call in because she still hasn't called in. Uh, I'm going to try to contact her again one more time um, on Twitter. I guess uh, what I'll do is I'll play her new single for everybody who is um, listening. Uh, the new single is Strobe Light, and it came out, I believe it was April 6th was when it was released. And yeah, that's right. It's, on it's really new, cute. It's on her yeah, it's on her new record, and it's really big in the clubs from what I hear, and um, she actually worked on this with uh, Randy Jackson, I believe, right? Yeah, I didn't know. I was actually just listening to it as I was getting ready, so it's really it's cute. One of, yeah, it is one of those like songs that you put on as you're getting ready to go out to the clubs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't remember that. <laughs> I don't either. I was actually, I'm, when I said getting ready, I meant like getting ready to do the show and then go to bed, so that's how exciting my life is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let me put this on. This is Strobe Light by Kimberly Lockett. We'll be right back. One. 
Okie dokie, we are back, and we still have no Kimberly Locke on the line, so I take it she must be completely busy. Uh, Jack, are you back with me now? Can you hear me now? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely hear you. From what it looks like, she probably is somewhat either tied up and not able to make the interview and was not able to confirm it with us, Um, because all I have is she can't get through. Are you there, Jack? Now it sounds like I lost Jack as well. Uh, Wait there, I'm back. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I got it. I was like, oh, great, this show is turning into a hot mess. Like, we lose a guest, then we lose a host, and, like, we're just dropping like flies. Well, that's okay. I mean, um, hopefully we can reschedule her. I apologize because we hyped it for such a long time. But I know how that goes because I've been asked to do radio shows, and um, although I did change my flight just for Kimberly, so I'm going to (laughs) – next time when we do get her on, I'm going to have to read her a little bit. Maybe I'll send her a tweet. (laughs) (laughs) And be like, "Um, you owe me $400 because that's how much it costs to change my flight. (laughs) Oh, anyway, um, well, let's talk about me then. So, uh, <laughs> um, I actually I was in I've been in Atlanta this whole weekend swimming at U.S. Uh, Masters Nationals. So the meet was just over, and let me just tell you, like all these Olympians were there, like Rowdy Gaines from the '84 Olympics and Colin Jones, who was in this last Olympics, and the people's times were crazy because it's the last um, national swim meet that you can wear the bodysuits. So, um, you know those, you know how they wear those whole, the, like I wear one, those whole, um, you saw them in the Olympics, like the Michael Phelps bodysuit, and they're banning them. So, they're, so and all my friends are like, that aren't swimmers are like, oh, thank God, they're going back to Speedos. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, obviously you have the right intentions when you're watching swimming. It's all about the competition, not the butts. Well, what but. is faster? Is the body too faster? Oh my God! Much faster. They say the the they were just getting so crazy. They broke like 800 records in the last two years. So, so yeah, they make you like three to five percent more buoyant or something. So you you're a lot faster. Yeah. Yeah. So it was actually a really cool meet. The coolest thing there's the thing about master swimming basically for people that don't understand is. And the division of swimming after you like the Olympic level, and when you're for older people, so it actually starts at 19 and goes to 19 to 24, and it goes by age groups of five years. But like, so you can swim until like the, I think the oldest person at the swim meet was 93, and there was a couple like old ladies that were like 88 and 90, and they were just killing it. Like it's amazing, it's really amazing. And there was actually this blind guy who was amazing as well, and he swam completely blind. He swims along the lane rope, and when he's about to do his flip turn, he has this guy that taps him with, like, a little stick on the back so he knows to do a flip turn, and then, like, he's completely blind. So I thought that was – I talked to him for a little bit. I thought it was really inspiring. A swimmer or a diver? Yeah, a blind swimmer. He dives off the box, and so, like, when you think you've got it bad and you have a hard time – just remember, there's people that are overcoming some really amazing things. So, Right. Very, 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 very true. So that kind of, I was going to ask her all about American Idol this season and all that good stuff. Um. Yeah, so, well, yeah, all my questions basically went out the window. Well, well, what do you want to do? Like, um, we don't really have a topic prepared. <laughs> yeah, so we don't really have a topic, so what we'll do is we'll open the lines. If anybody's out there who's listening in the chat room would like to give us a call in and speak to myself or Jack, uh, you can reach us at 347-159-442. Um, you can ask us any, uh, you know, can you want, or if you have a comment maybe about one of Kimberly's songs that you heard, uh, you know, feel free to, to give us a call. I know one of the things that's coming up is on thebody.com where I do my blog at, uh, uh, they're doing, uh, in June, I guess, is Pride Month. Yeah, and all the bloggers are blogging about. So, I know. Oh, I forgot. I did one too, so I'll be on there as well. Yeah. Yeah, so it'll be coming out very shortly, I think. Um, what did you write about? Oh, uh, I just I, I I was never really into pride. You know what I mean? Like I, like for me growing up, like I went through different stages of my pride, and that's kind of what I talked about. How I went from having no pride and being ashamed of being gay. You know, and then to kind of discovering a gay soccer team, which kind of really brought me out of my shell. 
and let me be okay with myself. So I kind of started like, you know, getting myself pride through that and going to my first pride event with them, standing there at a table, you know, trying to get teammates to join our soccer team. So like that was my first step. And then I, I talked about how today I'm so full of pride, you know, and right. how things just change. I evolved over the years, you know, with your pride where before I thought it was all about rainbows and just saying, yeah, I'm gay. And now it's more about, showing, you know, the young people that they're not alone, it's okay to be themselves, and, you know, for the political reasons of, like, gay marriage and things of that nature, of the importance of, be- of pride itself. Yeah, I actually, that's funny. I kind of probably wrote something very similar. I talked about how pride initially for me was, I was, you know, 20, and, you know, I'm 10 years older than you, so I this was in the, you know, late 80s, and I was, I would go to the the pride rallies and stuff, but I'd be scared that someone would see me, you know, and kind of just nervous. And so just go, going from that to then moving to New York where pride was really all about, like I didn't even care about the parade or any of the events or anything. I just wanted to get totally obliterated and go to the pier dance and be wasted. <laughs> and that was, that was a learning experience. That was good for what it was worth. I, I mean, I wouldn't recommend it to anyone, but... I learned from that, and then I'm. It's where I am today. Is I talked about just being proud of. I talk about really being proud of not just being gay or whatever, but all aspects of your personality and how it's easier said than done. But I mean, after you know, being out for two decades, it's like I've gotten to a certain place in my life where I'm proud of that I'm gay. I'm proud of you know that I'm whatever. I'm proud that I'm a swimmer. I'm proud that I'm open about my HIV status. I'm proud about all aspects of my personality. So I think it just evolves the older you get. Right. I have a, a caller on the line, so I'm going to go ahead and bring them on. Caller, Good. what's your name? Where are you calling from? I am calling from Louisville, Kentucky. Hi, Hello. Kentucky. What's your name? <laughs> uh, this is Dakota. This is Dakota from another one of the talk stations here on Blog Talk. Oh, hey. Thanks for calling. Oh, no, not a problem. got a question for you guys. Um, Actually, more specifically for Jack. Jack, it says um, a lot of people know you from Project Runway, obviously, and they also know you as a um, designer, an advocate, and an athlete. Which one of those three things uh, came a little bit more naturally to you, and which one of those three did you have to work harder at achieving success? Um, well, you know, the advocacy part came rather late in life. I always, I think because of Project Runway, I was really thrust into the spotlight. I mean, I always did participate in AIDS walks, and and I did a lot of giving back to the community, but it just wasn't so visible. And now I think a lot more opportunities in the advocacy arena come my way just because of the show. And I wouldn't even be doing this radio show, I'm sure, if if, if that hadn't happened. Um, the swimming thing, start, I started swimming competitively. I was actually talking to my mom about it today because I always re- report back to her with my times and stuff. But she's like, oh, um, well, you started taking lessons when you were three. And you started, I started swimming in swim meets when I was six. So swimming has been a part of my life forever. So that's the athlete part of it. And then the design part, um, I just started drawing and doing all that kind of playing around with clothes and whatever when I was about 10, 11, 12. So um, I think I probably had to work the hardest at the design aspect of it. So. Well, that's always well, that's cool. It's interesting yeah. to know that from you. Everything kind of just fell into place. It's funny how everything is kind of linked. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, and um, it was weird, a little bit weird for me to become this, you know, D-list celebrity or whatever the hell I am, because I kind of am a private person, and the fact that now, you know, people come up to me on the street, and um, I get a lot of emails, especially from HIV-positive people, and um, that was a bit of an adjustment, too, so it didn't really come naturally to me, but I've embraced it now at this point, so great. Oh, yeah, it's, it's always funny how you get thrusted in. It's private, yeah, you can't have a private life. I know exactly how you, where you're coming from on that one. Yeah. So, Robert, are you hearing, I'm hearing, like, a little feedback or something. Um, I did. Um, it may have just been uh, that caller. I'm not sure. Um, maybe when he called in, the speakers may have been up a little bit. So, uh, okay. I want to thank Dakota for calling in from Kentucky. 
Oh, I should have told him to give a shout out. Uh, everyone's like, "Did we lose Robert?" <laughs> no, I'm I know, right? <laughs> no, I Robert. Hello, I just go off on a tangent. Robert leaves the room and like goes and like he does other things. Goes to the bathroom. He comes back ten minutes later. He knows I'll still be yammering about something. <laughs> so oh, that's funny. Um, so, yeah, I'm trying to think of um, we we had that, and then one of the other things that we started doing um. On, I also run a social network that's a part of the radio show um, where, you know, some of the listeners come from. Um, we just started this thing called Hot Topics, and uh, in May was our first Hot Topic, and we talked about disclosure and how to, how and when to, um, you know, disclose your HIV status when you're about to enter a relationship with somebody or you start to have feelings for people. And it's been kind of controversial with people saying that, you know, some people should say it right away or the responsibility lies on the people that are positive and not necessarily other people. So it's been really heated. Um, people can check that out <clears throat> in the discussions um, forum on the Pause I Am Network. But I wanted to talk about that. And one of the other things I wanted to bring up, Jack, do you watch Brothers and Sisters? I do. Oh yeah, no, that's a good, that's a good that's a good topic. Um, what do you? Well, which one do you talk about? For, want to talk about first? Uh, we can talk about whatever one you want. I don't care. Well, I thought okay. So my knowledge, to my knowledge, the whole brothers and sisters thing, where they stand, is um, Uncle Saul went and got tested, and he was nervous about it. But then they left you hanging. Like he said, he was fine, but like. You don't know for sure. Maybe he's not. Like, is that that's kind of the impression I got. What is that? What you got out of it? Or okay, did you think I, that they just brushed it off? I, 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 I have to like commend them <laughs> for taking it on first. I have to think of how I want to say it. Like, I want to commend them for taking on the storyline of somebody being HIV positive. Right. And I think the way that they did it through, you know, Uncle Saul finding out on Facebook. You know, because for people who don't watch it, um, uh, Saul is an, is an uncle on the show who is an older gentleman, um, a senior citizen. And, you know, he just recently came out, I believe, two seasons ago as somebody who was gay to the family members on the show. And he was cruising, you know, on Facebook looking at stuff and came across somebody. I guess he had a friend request from somebody that he used to date a couple of years ago. And one right. of his um, nephews pointed out that, you know, that he was an activist and been positive for 20-plus years and he does the walks and the rides and stuff and that's really happening like people are really going on facebook and and finding out you know that somebody that they dated a couple of years ago oh totally no i think that was so that was great real I right think that was great the way that they pulled it in i was just hoping that i mean no i wasn't hoping that someone was hiv positive and it's not a real it's not based on real life but i was actually hoping that he would find out he was positive so then they could explore that like what that meant because mm-hmm. i think there's especially in the the there's that demographic of the people that they think are no longer sexually active. I don't know how old his character is supposed to be. I'm assuming like in his 60s. So, you right. know, they're finding with the the advent of Viagra and all those erection pills that like, you know, surprise, surprise, there's a, like an actually a very prominent increasing HIV population among senior citizens. So I think it would have been a great opportunity for them to take on that topic and start exploring it. Although I just don't know if like, they're ready for prime time. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if that if that's just dropped off and they don't talk about it again or if it comes up again. Well, here's what I say to that. A lot of people didn't think that prime time was ready for Will and Grace. Well, right. And, and you know what I mean? So that one person who pushes the button a little bit harder, um, I, I think will make a bigger change. And I think it'll be great. I think you'll start seeing it a lot more, um, you know, depending on how they perceive the story. Because all you know right. is at the end, you know what I mean, he lies to his family about being positive, and then at the end they get into a car accident and people come to help him, and he puts his hands out that are full of blood, and he tells them, don't touch, you know, don't touch. Oh, that, see, that's why I was asking you, because I didn't see that part. Maybe I didn't see oh. the last episode. Yeah, yeah, that's, well, you saw how, how, you know, he found them on Facebook, right? Right, I saw that, and then I saw he, his sister, he made the phone call with Sally Field sitting there, and he said, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm totally fine. And then in the back of my mind, I was thinking, I think he's lying. So <laughs> so apparently, so then th- that's why I was asking. So then there was a follow-up, wow. and he got in, yeah. in this car. Okay, I got it. Now I'm the up to speed. The whole family got into, like, this five-car car accident. And, like, everybody was going from place to place, and somebody, one person dies. I'm not going to say it for people who don't listen to the show. Uh, to watch, who, who watched the show and didn't get to see it yet, but one of the main characters dies on the show. Shut and, up. 
Oh, my yeah. God, I totally missed that. Yeah, and then at the end, like I said, he's in the car with the, the, the gay nephew. I forget their names right now, but they go over to help him, and he puts his hands out like, stop. And his hands are full of blood, and he's like, don't touch me, you can't. And that's oh, 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 okay. That's see. Then so then he is. Um, then I'm assuming he is HIV positive. That's great. Yeah, I mean, so he is. No, it's not great that he's positive. But it's great that they're going to explore that storyline. So it should be interesting how they're going to move forward with it. I, I just, I applaud it because I think it, it can only be good. Yeah. Oh, totally. You know I mean, you can only get good from from the education and the way that they talked. Like he was like so, he wasn't really educated about it. He was like, you know, can somebody who hasn't had, you know, sexual relations for years, you know, still be with no side effects. Right, you know, totally. You know, well, I answer. think that's a really great way of approaching it because people don't know that. Like, mm-hmm. I'm so surprised by the the general public when you ask, you know, you think, well, I lived through all the massive amounts of education in the early 80s and the early ni- or the late 80s and the early 90s and that was like nailed into your brain all the ways that you could, could you know, get it and couldn't get it and what was safe and what wasn't safe and it was fairly clear but that's really dropped out of the popular conversation so I'm glad they're bringing it back plus it's such a great show and it's so well written that I'm glad it's on a good show as opposed to just like some rating shocker you know or what I mean popper. <laughs> yeah yeah because the show like it touches so many real like you can really find your like people you know in those characters like Sally Field so reminds me of my mom you know what I mean? And oh, my God, mine too. My mom kind of looks like that. So does my mom kind of, I think. That's, <laughs> That's funny. <kind> of weird. <laughs> but she was always that, like, that loving, loving, smothering, but always, like, you know, had her, her way about herself. And, like, it's just, it's just very real how they take on the cancer and the gay marriage. You know, that was the first gay marriage, I think, on television in the TV show, the one they did on that show. Yeah, well, I, they're great with all that stuff. I mean, it's a, it, they actually show... Um, the two guys kissing, and I mean, it's just like real normal life. They don't really censor anything. And that family, though, I would poke my eyes out if I lived in, was in that family. They are, they get together, and it's just like a hot sketch pot mess every time they're together. I'm like, really? You guys can't like sit for 10 minutes with each other without like fighting about some major monumental subject? Every yeah. Time. I would be like, no wonder they drink so much wine. I would be bombed 24 7. Like, yeah. They're funny. <laughs> so, funny. so that'll be interesting. And so the other topic that you said was in the chat rooms was disclosure, correct? Right, right, right. It's on um, on pause. I am on the on the forum. Um, well, you know, my whole thing is, and actually, the the woman we talked to, um, I believe, what last time I was on, I don't remember, it was two weeks ago. I have the memory of a dead goldfish, but um, what? Lisa Britt, the lady who was... Yeah, yeah. I mean, and she was really adamant about, you know, being really upfront and telling everyone right away and, um, you know, that it was your responsibility. And I've had, you know, I'm sure there's been... I haven't followed the chats on Pause I Am, but I'm sure there's been people, and I know people in my personal life that are like, I don't think it's my responsibility to say necessarily because people should be protecting themselves regardless and, you know, I... the People, I think, a lot of times find place the burden on the HIV positive person to say, like, mm-hmm. it's your responsibility to tell. And I understand both sides. I get both sides of the argument. I think there's validity to both sides, but um, I don't know. What do you think? I mean, for me, as somebody who is HIV positive, I, I feel that the blame that it's all on me. That it really should be my responsibility to, uh, to bring it up. I mean, yeah, uh, people should you know, be responsible for their own sexual health, and that's something that people tell me all the time, that, you know, I shouldn't have to worry about other people. But I know how I felt when somebody didn't tell me. Right. And I keep playing that scenario over in my head, and I don't want somebody else to go through that process that I went through. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. I I mean, and I'm so out about it now that I don't really have to deal with that. I'm like, if you don't know that I'm HIV positive, like, you're a complete tool, and I don't want to go out with you anyways. (laughs) But, um... ask me if they think that, do do people become activists so they don't have to be worried about disclosure all the time when they're trying to, you know, date people in the future? And I go, I never really thought about that, but it is a way to to really, you know, lift that burden of disclosure off your shoulders once you start 
advocating, you know, for people living with the disease to kind of, that doesn't bother you anymore. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's like, for me, I'm so comfortable talking about it that it's not an issue for me anymore. I think the big fear for people that are positive and haven't disclosed to a lot of people is that they fear rejection. I mean, dating's hard enough as it is, and finding someone and then having to say on top of it, like, by the way, I'm also HIV positive is a big issue. But, but you know, my, my advice to that comment is always, that's static and fast. Very, very true. I have a caller uh, actually on the line here, so let's go ahead and bring them on. Area code 404. What's your name and where are you calling from? This is Eric Kane from the chat room. Hey, Eric. Hey, Eric. Hi. I, um, I called in to join in the discussion about disclosure. Well, join on in. Howdy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree with I, – I I've was diagnosed in 2003, and – you know, was really, well, pretty sexually active um, prior to the diagnosis. And then afterward, I just completely withdrew um, and became just non-sexual for, my doctor kept telling me, you know, your sex drive will come back. And, and it did, thank God. But I had to go through a real process because I just innately felt that the onus was on me to be upfront and you know, define for myself what being a man really was, which was to be honest and stand up and tell the truth and um, and protect other people. And so the first time that I was presented with the opportunity to, to be sexual with someone, um, it was a big or I knew I had to do it, but it was emotionally um, kind of an upheaval. And, and I was very fortunate that the guy that I was with was extremely understanding about it. And, um, and it was really a, an extreme... Um, a really good experience and that gave me strength for the next time and the next time and the next time because thankfully there were more times and now it's just um, it's something that I always know I will do if the situation arises to become um, sexual with someone but it's not something that I force I feel like there's always an organic time where it you know, it just happens naturally that it, it, it that I that I bring it up. It's I feel like force. You know, like, hi, my name's Eric. I'm positive before we before any before you know da, 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 before we go anywhere because that just freaks people out and it's right it's needless. But um, but always along the line, there's going to be an organic opportunity to do so, and it's my responsibility to do it. No, I think that's a really good point, and I also think. You know, first dates or whatever or any of that, it's it's all about you ask those obligatory questions like, where are you from and do you have brothers and sisters and blah, blah, blah. And, like, you know, you can work that in somehow organically. It doesn't have to be, like you said, in the in your opening line. Oh, sure, exactly. And it doesn't even have to be the first date, you know. I mean, like, you can – Exactly. A first date doesn't always involve sexuality. And – um but somewhere, some if, if things do progress down that line, somewhere it's, it's got to happen. And and unfortunately, not uh, to, in my way of thinking, it is unfortunate that not everyone thinks that way. Because for me, like I said, it speaks to what is a man and how does a man behave. You know, it's not about masculinity. Right. It's sure. about you know being honest and standing up and taking responsibility. Right. Well, I mean, that's about, I how, that's about humanity, how it should be, ideally. Of course, it's not always the case. I do, <laughs> right. I, I, well, I do empathize, I mean, especially with people that are really newly diagnosed and they feel like they're somehow damaged and they're just really reticent to, to oh, yeah. be forward with that information because they're like, you know, they're not going to want me and I want to go on at least like three dates before I tell them or this and that, and I'm like, you know what? There's no case scenario that's like the perfect case scenario. It just happens differently every time. And and I and I'm saying like, listen, HIV is just one reason to to not want to date someone. And like, there's thousands of others. Like, you know, I mean, it's it yeah, it, it it's a hiccup a lot of times. And there are some people where that's a deal breaker. And I get that. But there's a lot of people that are fine with it. And there's a lot of HIV exactly. positive people. There's a lot of HIV positive people that prefer it. So, I mean, it, it, whatever your reasoning is, you know, that's what it is. That what was it the is. amazing revelation to me was the people who, you know, the guys who were, oh, yeah, I know. One guy I remember um, was just like, I know how to protect myself. I mean, it became a verbal conversation. I didn't, have, I didn't take it for granted or whatever. He actually said, I know how to take care of myself. I want to be with you. 
And I mean, I was like, okay, let's go. You know, <laughs> um, it, it, I had, I was really beautifully surprised by um, by the feedback that I got. I mean, sure, there have been people who who have it, that it's been a deal breaker for, but when they've expressed that, they've done it with just the utmost sensitivity. So you know, it's it's a conversation that's frightening when you haven't had it, but once you've had it a few times, you realize that. Everybody usually steps up to the plate and, and, you know, acts out of their best self in that conversation, and it doesn't turn into some horrible, damaging, scarring experience, you know. Right. Um, and it, is, it, it sound, it's, it's odd to say that you're grateful for something, but to the, to the point that I've been able to have um, more meaningful communication and relationships with people, I'm grateful for having this, I'm grateful for that happening. You know, if there's gratitude, if there's a bright side to the whole situation, you know, it's, that's one of them. To, yeah, I, to, I, to, I totally agree with that. I think HIV has made me a much better person in so many ways. Like, I, you know, not that I'm advocating, oh, everyone should go out and get HIV. Right? It really makes you a really great guy. But I'm like, you know, in my particular situation, I just know that examining myself in that extreme way and having to really look at myself and really be honest with other people and a lot of things that you, you, can, you can skim through life and easily avoid. It made me face a lot of issues that's made me a better person. So, um, you know, there is a silver lining, I think, in a lot of its instances. And the other great thing about being about disclosing and being, you know, as as public as you feel comfortable being about it is to be a living example. I mean, I have to tell you, Jack, you are a living example for me um, with, you know, just the way that you look and your physical, your athletic activity and, and you know, just the, the height at which you're living life is an example it's for me. I mean, and, and the, I can in turn be an example for someone coming up behind me that, you know, you find out and you don't have to crumple and fall down, you know. Right. You can well, go you forward. For it's the truth. It's just the truth. And, and that's another reason I think, you know, it ties back to the pride discussion. That's something if we live publicly, if we, you know, show up to pride, have a great time, you know, take care of ourselves, look good, show everybody else that, look, I am the face of HIV. You know, right. it's not the skull and crossbones. It's not, you know, it's not a coffin. It's me. You're looking at it. And I think that that's a positive, well, no pun intended, that's a healthy thing for us to put out there. That's very, very true. Very true. Eric, well, thanks for calling in. Thanks very much. You're awesome. Best of luck to you. Oh, thanks a lot, Jack. And and this is my first time listening, and, and I'll be back. Awesome. We hope so. Thank Maybe you. Kimberly will be back, too. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, that's funny. You know, that's funny because we were talking about disclosure, and I remember just looking back, um, you know, in my life, how different ways that I disclosed because, like you said, it's never the same all the time. I mean, I remember disclosing in a car crying my eyes out to somebody. I remember writing HIV positive in, with Q-tip, not Q-tips, um, toothpicks at a restaurant, you know, talking to somebody. And then I remember my partner now telling him on the floor, on the dance floor when we met. So it's like, it, it just, it, when it feels right, there's no certain time um, to suppose that's the right time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right I've never time. heard, I've never heard a toothpick story, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just think the important part is that, that you have to come to terms with being HIV positive first. So then you can convey it with confidence to other. And when you come, you know, when you have the confidence in your status and you come from that position of strength, you know, you're able to show people that if you're okay with it, more than likely they're going to be okay with it. You know yeah, I mean? and it's, it's and I of, think I think Eric was really made some good points about, you know, granted it's not you know you can't guarantee what someone else's reaction is going to be, um, but I can probably guarantee you that if you, you know, have sex with them without telling them and then decide to tell them later, it's going to be a lot yeah. less pleasant. Um, you know, so. Some people handle it well. I'm sure, like Eric said, most people handle it with dignity if you're upfront about it. And I think you do get much more comfortable doing it. And it made me actually think of, um, I interviewed a bunch of people before and after the AIDS walk in New York, and um, it was for the Healthy with HIV campaign that's on Logo. 
um, which you can go to healthywithhiv.org, I believe, or maybe it's .com, either one. But, um, but yeah, so we were talking to HIV-positive people about different things that they do in their life to keep them healthy, like aside from, you know, hopefully they're on medication or whatever and what they're, if they're having side effects and if they watch their diet and if they exercise and whatever, blah, 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 blah. And I ran into – it, it was an, the experience was hard because here we are at the AIDS walk and we want to talk to people who are HIV positive, but what do you do? Do you just scream into a crowd of people like, hey, any HIV positive people want to come over here? So – we recruited a bunch of people from different organizations, and then I saw a couple friends of mine walking that I knew were positive, but I didn't know if they were public about it. So I, like, you know, snuck over and said, listen, we're doing this, and we're talking to HIV-positive people about their experiences, and would you be comfortable doing it? And um, a, a good friend of mine was like, I've never talked about it publicly ever before on, in any documented way. And, um, and he's like, I, I want to do it. And so, you know, and it's all the all these little vignettes will be airing December first on the on logo dot com somewhere. Um, but it was cool to see him talk about it frankly and be like, Listen, I know now I'm you know, and we had the similar experience with uh Poya Delmar when we were talking to her on the right. phone. And she was like, I've never actually said this and you know, I've been I'm she's here, you know, Paul or was is open about his status, but he he had and he and Poya Damar as his drag character does tons of HIV activism and stuff, but he'd never really come out about his status publicly. So, um, you know, I think it's a it's a it's a good experience, and the more people that, like Eric said, that are visible and talking about it and keep the dialogue going, the more it, it paves the way for people coming behind us. Yeah, I totally agree. We have another caller here on the air. So let me go ahead and bring this person. Kimberly? Kimberly? Hello. Oh no, no, I wish. <laughs> no, I wish. This is um. No, I wish. This is uh, Katie Capo Five from the chat room. How are you guys? Hey, good. Good. Um, I love your show. This is my first time tuning in, but um, I just wanted to let you guys know. I think it's so sad that people do not accept people um like the HIV people and the and the gays, like for who they are. They don't look at their personality, and I think that's what people need to look at, that they need to look at what's most important and not based on their sexuality or whether they're HIV positive or not. And I just wanted to let you know, uh, just wanted to ask you, do you guys do any, like, volunteering for um, or rallies for um, promoting the, um, promoting it? Yeah, yeah. Well, we're you do. I, I yeah, tons of stuff, and and we both do. We both are very visible. Like when we, you know, um, I actually I first because we were doing the radio show for for months before I actually met Robert because we do it all from by cell phones and landlines and stuff from all over the country. So we met at the AIDS walk in Philly. So we do that. I do AIDS walks all over the country and. Um, I work on a program called Living Positive by Design with Merck, and I speak publicly. And, Robert, you do a ton of stuff. We've both been on HIV Plus magazine, and, yeah, we're very visible. That is that is fantastic. Well, keep doing the great uh, – keep doing it and keep up the great work. And um, I wish Kimberly was tuning in or, um, you know, calling in or whatever because I had questions for her. But, um, you know, there's always the next time. So uh, I know, take care. And you know what? And you're—I can tell you're a big Kimberly Locke fan because I saw you in the. Oh, I'm like, but you know what? I'm actually, you know, I'm actually. She's actually like my inspiration and idol, and I've met her twice, and she's just, she's just a great person all around. What she does for Camp Heartland and what she does for other people, she has such a great personality and she has such um, great music, you know, that you can actually relate to. Yeah. And Kim, Kim is one of those people. She's one of those artists that actually makes you feel um, better about yourself. And um, she's helped me with a, with a lot of things in my life. So, That's so awesome. yeah. Well, yeah, stay tuned. I'm, I'm hoping, you know, I'm sure we'll reschedule her. I'm sure she just got, you know, overwhelmed with something. But um, we love her, too. So I'm glad you were able to tune in. Thank you so much. God bless you guys. You too. Thanks. We have one more caller here on the line. So 716, what's your name? Where are you calling from? This is Tom from Buffalo, New York. Hey, Hi, Tom. Tom. Hey. Um, I was just calling. Um, I don't know if, if either of you guys have experienced this, but um, I'm negative, but I've dated positive guys who have 
in turn, I guess, kind of like rejected me. Like I've been like um, very like open and okay. Like I've, you know, I've worked in the field and I'm a social worker and I'm educated, but a lot of times they've just been like, you know, that they couldn't handle me being okay with that. So maybe they just weren't, I don't know. Have you experienced that in terms of, from, from like, um, I never, uh, this is Robert. I never actually turned anybody away for being negative, but I know that certain people are out there. Uh, one of the reasons I know that people have voiced their opinions to me about doing it was they don't want to infect their partner um, with the HIV virus, so they are very hesitant of having a relationship with somebody who's negative. And then other people just, I guess, feel safer, like they can really relate more to somebody who is also HIV positive and went through the diagnosis and maybe kind of, and it's a shame because they shut those doors on negative people and they don't get to experience, you know, something that could be great because my partner's negative and, and if I shut that door, I wouldn't be where I am doing this radio show, talking to Jack, talking to you. You know what I mean? If there right. wasn't that love that came to me. So what about you, Jack? Well, yeah. Well, I think, I mean, it's interesting because it's it's the fear that all HIV-positive people have of, like, oh, my God, someone's going to reject me because of my HIV status. And it's sort of like, okay, if we have that fear and then we're setting this double standard of, like, well, I'm going to reject an HIV-negative person because that's not, not not my ideal situation. So, but I, I mean, I have to say I've dated um, negative people that, say that they are totally, totally fine with it, and then you just get these little inklings that they're not quite. And that, I mean, and I'm not saying that that's your case at all, but um, right. and, and that for me has made me uncomfortable, and I'm like, I don't think you're as okay with it as you think you are, so... So I've had that experience, and I and I I actually don't have a preference. I'm single now, but I um, the last guy that I dated was negative, and he was actually a doctor, and he was totally obviously knew all about HIV and was totally fine with it, and had positive boyfriends, and it was really a non-issue. So, um, and I you know I in I guess if I were to have my perfect boyfriend, which I am, I'd like to just get a boyfriend first. <laughs> But um, but I think I would I personally would rather date someone positive just because like Robert said they kind of get it already without having to have like lots of conversations about it. But to me, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. That's like I'd also like to have a boyfriend that's really rich and wants to fly me around the world and doesn't want me to work at all. So um, yeah, me too. Yeah. So you know, <laughs> my, the list of wants is really long. So I'll take you know two out of two hundred. I don't care. You know. <laughs> Well, I mean, I think that that's what, what you know, everyone is working towards. I mean, you know, with, with people like yourselves out there who are, like, open and combating stigma, you know, for me, it's like when somebody tells me because of all the work other people have done, you know, I'm like, okay, you know. But, you know, it's kind of like, you know, when you come out to somebody and you think they're going to, like, freak out, and they're like, okay, fine, that's, that's cool, let's move on, you know. I think it's you know, it's really hard because I think there's so much psychological build-up that, you know, people don't know what to do, that it it can interfere, you know, but I guess... uh, Well, I mean, I I, I just, you know, we're, we're, we have, we only have like four, two minutes left, three minutes left, but I just want to say, thank God for people like you, you know what I mean? Like, I'm glad that you are negative and you're cool with dating someone who's positive because, um, you know, we are still definitely in the minority and it is hard. That's a big, huge fear that a lot of people have when they come out to people. And um, it's great that you are smart enough to know how you contract the disease and you can easily protect yourself. And so it's great. I, I applaud you. Right. Thank you so much for calling. And we do have one super quick caller, but just before I bring them on, um, again, you can find more information on Jack at jackmackenroth.com. You can join the social network uh, for people living with HIV and AIDS or people who love HIV, people with HIV and AIDS at posim.com. And I want to bring this last caller on real quick. Caller, what's your name? Where are you calling from? you got a minute. I'm Kimberly Locke. (gasps) Shut up. No way. You know what, guys? I had the wrong the the number that was on my memo was one digit off, so I've got oh. some bones to pick on Monday morning. Do I still have a minute? <laughs> oh my oh, God, I'm so <laughs> sad. Uh, I am so sorry. I owe you guys. If if I I know I'm late, but the number that I had was not correct. 
Oh my God! Well, we love you. Well, we, we you have to promise you have to promise that you'll um we can reschedule you like for some yes. time later you know on what? this tomorrow, year. Tomorrow, you know what? Tomorrow you just or tomorrow's Monday. Um, mm-hmm. just give a call and we'll reschedule and we will do it all over again. It'll be fun. Oh my God! Perfect. Oh, great. Yeah, I know. I, I, I was like, oh my gosh, they're gonna hate me. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> we love you. Girl. We 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 were we were just talking about how fabulous you were the whole time. So oh, don't worry. Really? I'll have yeah. to go from the internet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's good. At least now everybody knows that you will come back and we'll you'll be able to talk. Absolutely. To you. And you and, and, and you actually I, exist. I, I yeah. do exist, and I <laughs> and my apology. You know, um, sometimes things like this happen, but. The number right. that I had, I kept calling, kept calling, and they said, there are no no broadcasts scheduled for the next half hour. <laughs> Who is that lady? You do that voice really well, actually. That's kind of what she sounds like. That's exactly <laughs> that what is. she sounds like. That's so funny. <laughs> Sorry. That's please so accept funny. my apology. No problem. No problem. That's so, so we will funny. contact you um, t- sometime tomorrow then. And, um, yeah, just contact me and I would. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, again, please accept my apology for being, you know, not um, up on the information. But no problem. You know, sometimes the information passes hands, and I don't have the correct information, obviously. That's okay. You're Kimberly Locke. You get a pass. Oh, thank you. <laughs> we love a pass. All right. Okay, I will contact you soon. Have a great okay, night. Okay, sweetie. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, everyone, have a great night. And, Jack, I'll talk to you in, uh, I think, two weeks. (laughs) All right. right. Bye, Robert. Bye.